Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Bank of Singapore Unplugged. My name is Celine Le Cotonek and I am Bank of Singapore Chief Data and Innovation Officer, looking after Bank of Singapore data strategy and governance to accelerate the implementation of artificial intelligence and analytics for the bank. In this new series, we will be celebrating influential and inspiring women from the inaugural Singapore 100 Women in Tech list, an initiative from IMDA, Singapore Computer Society, and Singapore Women in Tech, which recognizes the achievement and contributions of women to the tech sector and ecosystem. As a first invitee, I'm pleased to welcome Yana Maliziskova, awarded IT Woman of the Year in 2019 for her role in funding She Loves Data, one of the most well-known community in Southeast Asia, which helps women to build their data and digital literacy. She's also the founder and CEO of Mero, a new generation of customer data platform. Welcome to our podcast, Mer Yana. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting, Celine. So Yana, I would like our listener to know a bit more about uh, yourself. Can you tell us about your education, your career history, and where does your passion for data comes from? So I studied computer science in Sweden and in the US. And uh, why I chose this field was because I had a very inspiring uh, business teacher at my high school who was talking about application of data and software in business. Um, and because of him, I actually went to study computer science and uh, it was a good decision in the early 90s um, because I was uh, one of the 36, we were five women studying. So it was already then when I was like, you know, feeling like I'm a rare animal in a, you know, a larger group of people. And uh, but after that, I realized that, you know, software and technology can have such a good and important impact on business results for any organization. So that was the start. And uh, after that, I um, started to work for various different organizations uh, as a marketing manager mainly. And then I slowly moved into sales management, the team management, country management. And uh, I uh, used to work for 12 years for SaaS Institute and SaaS at that time was one of the prime organizations uh, helping, you know, banks and telcos uh, mine the data and making an impact with the power of data on their business. About uh, six years ago, when I moved to Singapore, I changed my career into tech startup. I started my own data consultancy together with my co-founder. Um, it was basically based on the decision to help digital marketers and marketers on their journey through digital transformation to have a easier access to data. Uh, because at that time, MarTech started to be very, very complex, uh, I would say, uh, set up for any larger organization and making sense out of marketing customer data was a big question and effort and issue for many organizations out there. So I believe this is uh, how you got the idea to start your own uh, company and product, Mero. Can you tell us a bit more of, you know, this adventure, how it started and, you know, how did you came up with, um, with the idea altogether? Well, Mero actually started with a failure, you know, with the data consultancy that we had, we had a few deals going on with the clients in Australia 
And it was about four years ago when a few of those deals didn't come true because the clients told us, hey, this is about customer data. This is a privacy data. The legislation is changing right now, so we can't use the software and the proposal you are offering to us because you're storing the data in the cloud outside of Australia and the legislation will not allow it in the future. So, you know, me and my uh, founders, we were sitting down thinking like, what are we going to do about this? And uh, because we had already quite a lot of experiences with dealing with data integration and access to data for business users, we decided to develop uh, our own software that will be easy to deploy. It will give access to customer consumer data to any business user with, with a minimal or almost non-existing technical knowledge. And then we said, okay, let's do it in a way that it can be deployed anywhere and it's going to be flexible so it can follow all the compliance and all the data regulations and legislation rules so that we didn't build it as a software, as a service, but as a platform that can be deployed anywhere in any location. And soon after that, we had one of our clients in Indonesia that is one of the top banks told us, hey, can you help us with merging the offline transactional systems like CRMs and call center together with our websites, multiple websites and our multiple mobile apps, because we need to merge this online and offline vast amount of data and understand who are the unique customers or you know users and visitors out there that we are spending quite a lot of money in digital uh, advertising. And we would like to understand are the people coming to different digital but as well traditional transactional channels so how do we merge this all together and define yeah this is a person coming from you know this particular device communicating through this channel how do we understand the customer journey so that we can manage the customer experience better so I believe this is what a customer data platform is about. Uh, it's about for any type of organization to identify their customer and then draw the overall customer journey to optimize your media spend, but also um, probably better target your offer to the right customer. What is the value of a customer data platform for any type of organization? Should they be big or small? Um, today, um, many organizations made vast investments into marketing and advertising technologies. And uh, there are, you know, in an average organization, there is a 25 to 30 different systems in only marketing or around customer engagement. Um, and to integrate these systems and identify the unique client is an issue because the customers, as I mentioned before, are coming with the different devices, you know, through different channels. So kind of consolidate that and create, you know, a single customer view across multiple channels, multiple devices is an um, important task today because consumers are changing their behavior. So we need to understand how they're interacting with our brand and we need to understand what channels they prefer. We as well need to be able to offer these customers, consumers, personalized messaging, but as well offering. So we, you know, have to have and have to build an intimate customer uh, relationship with, with our clients, and especially in a, you know, days like we are living in right now, because everyone's online, the competition is increasing. So understanding our own customers is a key to survive often. 
So customer data platform is basically enabling to connect to all those systems and tools online, offline, create not only transactional, but as well behavior view of the customer on their journey is able to predict what to do next. What's the next best offer? How do we build this personalized, intimate relationship with those people out there so that we offer relevant uh, offerings and products and services to them? And as well, we close the loop and we understand that if they purchase something, we can exclude them, for example, from our you know advertising campaigns. So it's called precision advertising, precision marketing. And we give them a space because we understand that they buy something from us or interact with us every two months. So we can pause on the communication and do it in a timely manner. We as well can use this. We can look at, you know, retention is a big thing. So we can look at clients we want to retain and we want to build based on their behavior, lookalike audiences and target similar people out there that might be relevant for our offering. Does it make sense? Definitely. It does make a lot of sense. And I think that any type of organization is looking today to be more efficient and personalized in terms of, you know, what kind of content uh, is addressed to um, to their customer and to be sure that they can propose the right product or the right offer at the right time of the customer journey. So it definitely relevant, I believe. And everyone just say that the data is the new oil. And, and apart from integration of data that you just mentioned and where customer data platform are very useful, according to you, what is the most challenging aspect that you can see in most of the companies when it comes to make use of that data? Look, I think um, what is very important is look at the data strategy that is a, a company while. Is there a company-wide data strategy that is actually executed on a top management level? Do we, do we have it as an organization? This is the start number one, because it has to exist. We, we have to look at data as an asset, and we have to deal with the data as an asset and manage it that way. So that's a, that's a number one. So do we have a data strategy? Uh, with data comes as well a question around culture. Is our organization... Um, enabling the culture of innovation and driving, you know, the data-driven culture throughout the organization. Do we change the metrics? Do we change the way how we manage our performances? Do we really use and enable the data to be accessible in a meaningful format to everyone out there? So that's the second one, the culture around data. Um, a third one, I would say, um, Often organizations are saying that th there is a bad data quality, there, you know, the data is not accessible, it's fragmented in silos. So I think it's very important to have a data governance that is, you know, aligned with the legislation, that is aligned with the um, legal compliance or regulators compliance, and it's done in an ethical structured way. So we can, you know, use the data on a different levels through the organization without uh, exposing some privacy data. Because for example, marketers, they don't need to see some privacy data. They can look at patterns. So you have to have enablement within your systems to hash this data and give you know, respective and uh, relevant data to the business users out there. And I think this is, in a way, customer data platform is dealing with that. It's a platform that kind of democratizes the data throughout the organization for business users and as well give, gives access uh, to the 
data for people who are interacting with customers on a level they need to. Um, there's a huge talent shortage of uh, data savvy people. So with um, user business interface to the data, so that's the, I would say, last issue, which I see, you know, in the, in the organizations out there dealing with data, um, is that this is um, another hurdle that um, is out there. So if you give people a good access that is meaningful for their business view on data, you are kind of slowly changing the structure and the mentality to data-driven organization. I believe I couldn't say it better as being the chief data officer from Bank of Singapore that, uh, first of all, the data strategy is essential. And for me, there are always three pillars that you rightly mentioned. First of all, the data platform that needs to enable data democratization and easy access to uh, business user. Um, the people aspect, uh, should it be the organization or also the upskilling roadmap that need to be built along with the HR department? How do we bring people to new uh, programming language such as Python? How do we enable them in data storytelling, visualization, you know, basic data modeling techniques? And um, third, the, the governance, uh, should it be on, you know, the data quality, um, the, the overall data privacy? How do we use safely the data of, uh, of our customer? And definitely agree with you that the best way to protect it is uh, is not to having everyone getting access to those. And, uh, and thirdly, another big topic that is also uh, very important in the governance regarding the ethic of how are we using the data. This is the foundational pillar if we want to be able to tomorrow deploy more um, algorithm that will be useful for the customer and, and for the business. Um, so all of this needs, um, it, it's a journey, I would say. I think every organization have their time frame and, and they're all starting from different level of maturity, depending if you're coming from manufacturing, financial services, or like digital F&B, for example. Uh, but at the end of the day, I believe that those three pillars are um, the, you know, the foundation for, for any organization that wants to become data-driven. And the people aspect is, is, is too often forgotten. Uh, we, we're always talking a lot about technology, but um, there was a very interesting study um, done by a big consultancy regarding um, what are the success factor uh, to, uh, to become a data-driven organization. And they were saying that at the end, it's 20% for the platform, the tech behind, 50% is for the people. So um, the upskilling, having the right skill, having the right organization, and 30% is about process reengineering. Because from a, a non-data-driven company to a data-driven company, then the process should change because you're not on a reactive mode mode anymore. You're on a proactive mode. You are kind of uh, prescribing, you know, um, and the right product to, to, to your customer in more proactive ways. So the, the task themselves uh, will change. And there are huge studies that are being done on uh, on that uh, on that front. I, I believe it's a it's a very good uh, uh, introduction to uh, ask you. Uh, so on top of, of being founder of Mero, you founded in 2016. She loves data. Uh, she loves data is a nonprofit movement that is helping more women to enter the world of tech, data, and analytics. And I think this is a fabulous initiative uh, that I really like. And uh, I would like you to tell us um, to our audience today a bit more about She loves data. What is your mission and, you know, how do you operate? 
Um, well, She Loves Data started, you know, based on the discussion we had with our clients. There was a shortage of tech and data talent out there everywhere we went, you know, not only here in Singapore, but in the region. And um, so we said, like, okay, let's um, walk the talk. Let's do something about it. Let's not just complain. And we've set up um, a one day for women, which we called uh, day two introduce everyone to data. We said, let's do it for women only because uh, we wanted to create a judgment-free, secure environment. Because often when I talk to some of my female clients, uh, you know, from top management down to, you know, project um, and uh, data analyst, uh, they said that sometimes they feel silly to ask questions about data because there are so many buzzwords and maybe they came back from maternity leave and they felt that a world is completely different and so we said okay so let's demystify those buzzwords let's explain what data is because often we've heard question where do i even start to learn you know i'm a businesswoman i've been you know educated a while ago it's obsolete my education so we said okay let's prepare something like this that's going to be relevant for women out there that want to learn and uh, we've set up the invites. We put it on, on social media. And uh, to be very honest, we never expected that we would have like 500 women registered. So we were a little bit in panic, you know, trying to find a space to put them all in. Uh, so we put some of them on a wait list. And then when we did this one day with data, together with a few partners like um, AWS and Yellowfin and Google and Click, it was a, such a great experience and we got such a good feedback that we said we cannot really simply just stop now. Uh, so we continued, we set up another, you know, event and then another one and another one. Then we went to see our clients in Hong Kong or in Australia. And, uh, you know, some of our partners knew about it. So they said, hey, we help you to organize it here. So we did it, you know, in different places where we went. And we always organized a local chapter with the local volunteers, because we believe that you need to understand what the local community needs and wants in terms of topics and in terms of networking and the support. And uh, so our mission is to empower women with uh, tech and data knowledge uh, to help them to uh, progress in their careers so that they can have uh, jobs that are future-proofed because data and tech is part of every profession. You don't need to be data or tech professional. It doesn't matter what you do. You're working with Excel, you are working with data. So it's good to understand some basics and build a data and digital foundations uh, to kind of uh, maintain the data and digital literacy. So when we've done that, we thought that we will be teaching women only you know, those hard skills, but we often, uh, I mean, soon realized that the power of the network is amazing, that we've built such a data sisterhood where women are supporting each other. You know, they are talking about job openings or they are going together to other events outside of She Loves Data. So they built such a sub tribes, uh, you know, in different places. And uh, because we women, we are not that good at the kind of uh, boys clubs or, you know, being the sisters to each other. So this was as well possibility for women out there to build their network based on 
seeing like-minded individuals that want to upskill themselves as well. And uh, they can support each other. They basically have a support system up there. So it's about lift up women. And with lifting up women, what we've seen is you lift up humanity. So it's our goal is to uh, make our webinars and workshops around tech, data, digital literacy available to as many women as possible. We are starting with certification programs right now uh, in collaboration with TIPCO and SMU uh, so that people can be you know, dashboard specialists or forecasting specialists, and it helps them to get um, some tangible uh, proofs of their self-education. That's a great, I, I, I love what you say when you empower humanity. And, and tell me something, can men love, she loves data too? Absolutely. You know, the hashtag is he loves data too. And to be honest, you know, when we talk about di diversity and inclusion in tech, we have to include men. And uh, our webinars are open to everyone. It's not only for women, but we see around 20 to 25% of men joining our webinars. And uh, it's fantastic because when we discuss how to have the tech world, but not only tech world, our world a more diverse, how do we you know, change this uh, lack of women or lack of diversity in the tech world? We need to have everyone joining the discussion. So we love our male allies. We need them. We need to hear to them and uh, they need to help us to, to, to change, you know, the diversity and inclusion, this balance that we still see sometimes. So as uh, I mean, you're a firm advocate of the gender diversity in tech. And um, according to you, why do you think that there is a gender gap in the tech industry today? I mean, I recall that, you know, um, uh, the story about the first woman, the first computer being actually woman, you know, like a previous secretary that uh, that then started to do mathematics and statistics. And uh, and yes, yeah, so the first computer were actually women. So what, what happened in the tech world and, and why do we have this gender gap today? Um, I would tell you two stories. One story is I saw in one tech women's forum a discussion on uh, one girl studies computer science. She is uh, one of the few girls in that group, in that class. And she asked the rest of the female tech uh, professionals, how should she overcome the question that comes to her mind all the time? And it is, am I good enough? Am I good enough compared to my male colleagues because they are maybe better at math or they are better at the computer science? Another story is that women, and you know, it, it actually starts when we are girls, when we are the upbringing for girls is like, you know, you have to be perfect. You have to sit here. You have to look great. You know, don't talk too much unless you know everything about the subject. Whereas the boys are sent out, get your clothes dirty, go and climb that tree. And if you don't succeed for the first time, you go ahead and try again, you know, be brave. And it's okay that you fail. You can try again. So I think these two stories merge, um, and for me at least, um, the kind of background that we women are coming into the tech and we are always asking us, do I know well this subject? And, you know, and we want to have it uh, done to 100%. 
we want to be able to know everything perfectly. Otherwise, we will not go and try. Whereas the boys, they have an easier situation. They go and try and if they fail, it's okay. So I think a lot of it is that, you know, there is a greater perception that men are better at stats and math and computer science. So it's a male dominated field. So it's harder for women to keep uh, up there because they are questioning their skills, their level of professionalism, and um, they are easily discouraged. So what we need to do is to encourage them, to tell them, yes, you are good enough, and to explain to them that many organizations out there will be looking for the women because they want to include diversity into their not only tech teams, because they realize that with diversity, they will get better results because we need to have a different perspectives on problems that we are solving. We have to have diverse teams because they are coming with different hypotheses and the better and different hy hypotheses are actually driving better results. So let's create diverse teams and let's support women uh, on all levels, you know, throughout the hiring process, throughout the onboarding process, but as well throughout the process within the organization out there. Um, like, you know, flexible hours or, you know, support of uh, uh, maternity leaves and, uh, you know, coming back after maternity leave, having, you know, a different internships, mentorship, sponsorship. Let's do that. And if we are good at that, we will see that the results are much better than they are today in the, not only tech teams because diversity is needed everywhere. Yes, I believe it reminds me of the famous uh, Lean-In book written by Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO for, of Facebook, that was discussing about, you know, what is preventing today women from uh, getting higher position and why is diversity and inclusion really needed? And there was a recent study from McKinsey that was saying that actually uh, a, a woman, uh, I mean, sorry, a company with a, a, be a better gender diversity to make better in the results as well. So productivity is actually increased with gender diversity you can correlate that directly to your top line and uh, and, uh, and revenue I think th thank you very much Yana for uh, all your shares today and and very um, uh, interesting insight I have just one last question for you um, if you could have dinner with one of the most impressive female role models in the world who would it be and why can I say a few of them i think i would like to have a dinner party and in my dinner party i would invite or to my dinner party i would definitely invite michelle obama she's amazing she's the one who's talking about am i good enough you know still being a first lady uh, and she actually openly said that yes she was questioning her own uh, ability to step into this role second one would be Melinda Gates, I really admire what she's been doing for women out there the last few years. It's really incredible effort. So I would love to talk to her, you know, over the dinner or over a glass of wine. And the third one would be Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda is an activist and she's been activist for 40 years. It's amazing. And she's been always fighting for women's rights. And uh, she's an incredible actor. And I really look up to her what she achieved throughout her life. And what I love is her energy and her, you know, drive to change the world. So I think these three would be my, you know, perfect dinner party guests to talk about anything in the world. 
I, I wish I could join you for that dinner party. I'll invite you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if we get a bit more time, but I mean, I, I recall reading one of your articles during, um, you know, the COVID period when all of this started, where you were actually describing the role of a chief marketing officer and you were giving advice on what are the five skill sets that a chief marketing officer should have. And especially right now in this, you know, like pandemic world where everything is changing and switching to online, uh, what according to you are the other are are the five skill sets that are needing when, whenever doing marketing for any type of organization? Marketing has changed so incredibly in the last 10 years. It, uh, it's, a, it's a tech discipline. You know, marketers, they need to operate so many different systems and they need to be tech savvy. Um, they have to enable organizations to go through the transformation from product oriented to customer centric. And that's what is happening now with all the digital transformations. And usually customer that is traditionally owned by marketing is in the middle of the organization. And uh, the processes around are surrounded by people that are in marketing. So I feel what is happening right now is that marketers, they need to understand their data. They need to consolidate the data. They need to have a unified holistic view on their customers and consumers and understand what is happening out there, understand all the trends, you know, what the competition is doing, because today everyone can be online and the consumers are changing their behaviors so rapidly. So we need to monitor that. Um, specifically now retention is a very important part of marketing job to understand who are my clients that I want to retain and how do I do that? How do I drive profitable, personalized relationships with my clients? So that's the one, data-driven tech discipline. Um, if the CMOs uh, don't understand that, uh, I think that's an issue. A lot of CMOs, visionary CMOs, are now building something that is called marketing operations. It's a function that is between marketing, the traditional marketing, and IT and tech to be able to gain ROI from all the investment then made, made into the marketing technologies. So basically the marketing technologies, they need to be lean. There need to be return on investment all over it. Um, and we need to get rid of, you know, a vanity metrics in marketing, like engagement rate. What does it even mean? Why is it, what, what, so what would be my question? So it needs to be looped back into sales, looped back into every organization um, um, that is dealing with clients and there needs to be change of uh, metrics and measurements uh, with the help of technology. And last but not least, um, CMOs and marketing managers, they need to innovate. Um, this is critical to understand where their consumers are, how digital savvy they are, and they have to ask their questions like, are we there as well with our offerings? Is our offering relevant to what my clients and future clients want? How do I actually use the online space in a relevant manner for a communication with my prospects and my clients? And how do I do it in a way that basically drives revenue? That's, that's what it is about. Um, so, Use tech to your advantage is my key message to the CMOs. Uh, many are working on that because I think often CMOs are really in the center of every 
digital transformation project. And that's great because then finally marketing is actually, you know, the function that is directly influencing the bottom line. And at the end, it's about numbers and it's about, you know, results. So in this way, if we shape the marketing role uh, smartly, I think any organization can see a huge changes in their profits. Thank you, Jana, very much for uh, all your very insightful advice. So um, for everyone that is listening to us today, uh, look at the new technology, integrate your data, start using your data to take data-driven decision and empower your people and your organization to use this data through um, strong upskilling roadmap and uh, as well as data governance. And for all the women that are listening to us, just trust a bit more in yourself and be bold. And I think that's, that's the message that we want to show everyone can learn data and uh, thanks very much Yana for your time today with us in this new series of Bank of Singapore Unplug dedicated to Singapore uh, 100 women in tech and I um, was very pleased to discuss with you today and get all of your insights thank you for the invitation and a good luck with the series I'm looking forward to listen in more to your next guests thanks thanks Yana bye